Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. We're going to talk some AFL because yesterday... We spoke a little bit about AFL. Louis plays it. He well, has a little dabble in the game of AFL Aussie rules. Well, we spoke about it a wee bit. And what timing, because the AFL finals are here tonight. It's Brisbane versus Richmond, who have first crack at finals footy for the season. And our colleagues over the ditch in Australia will be so G'd up for this. We can't even really imagine. To talk us through the season to date, upcoming final series, and who is favourite? To win the coveted flag in 2022, we have host of SCNZ Breakfast in Melbourne. He's a legend of the game himself, playing more than 300 times for the Essendon Bombers in his glory days. It's a big good morning to Tim Watson. G'day, Tim. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Good morning. It's a pleasure to join you. I'm surprised that you don't speak more often about the AFL, to be quite honest. It's the greatest (laughs) game in the world. Well, we spoke about it once last year, and that was the grand final, and we had the one and only Max Gorn on our show, and they went on to win it, mate. But finals fever, it's here. Yeah. Melbourne it City. Is, it is. Big Max. Uh, Big I didn't realise that he was a Kiwi. I, I thought he was a Viking Max. He looks more like a Viking than a Kiwi, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He's a beautiful man. Watching, but I've, no, been watching, yes. <laughs> I've been watching the Vikings. He'd be perfect. As uh, one of the uh, the Viking gods said, um, now this is the, the finals. We've actually had a break, so we had our home and away series, and then we had uh, a pause, and then we get back into it tonight. So the Lions up against the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers are probably the most exciting team going around. Uh, they they won um, three flags almost in a row, so they were one of the great teams of the last five to ten years. They took a while to get it together this year, but. They've started to steam home again, so they're very much in the frame, although they're one of the bottom four teams, so this is a knockout game tonight. If the, Whoever loses this game tonight is out of the finals competition. Hey, Tim, Geelong, every, every pundit's picking them to, to get back to mm-hmm. t- putting that trophy in their cabinet. Do you, do you see it that way? They're going to be hard to beat, yeah. Uh, the, all the statistics point that way. They don't have a weakness. Uh, they're fit and healthy. All their better players are going to be on the park this weekend. They do come up against Collingwood, though. I don't know if you know too much about Collingwood, but they've been the surprise packet of the season this year. They've played in, I think it's 11 games that have been decided by 10 points or less, and they've won them all this year. So they've sort of become, the even though they were like the most hated team in the competition, they've become sort of everybody's second favourite team this year because of the way they play. They've shown enormous heart this year. So they, they're not going to be an easy team for Geelong to get over, but I'd expect that they would beat them on Saturday. There's going to be... Uh, yeah. That's a sellout game at the MCG, so they're talking about over 90,000 people will be at that game on Saturday. Wow. We've got another sellout crowd at the Gabba tonight up in Brisbane, so that's about... Wow. I think that holds about 50,000. Then there's a game tomorrow night at the MCG between Melbourne and the Swans. And they're predicting about 85,000 for that game. And then the game over in Perth 
uh, on Saturday, later on Saturday night to sell out too, and I think that holds about 60,000. So it's going to be a massive first weekend of finals. Oh, huge. And you spoke about Collingwood. Collingwood Magpies, probably debatable, but the most famous AFL uh, team in the AFL of a name that I really recognise when it's spoken about anyway. But one of the other games, Richmond. I was reading some news on um, Dusty Martin, not ideal situation what he's had to face. But for him, mate, what's what's he looking? Is he going to leave Richmond? Is he going to head out um, back to Sydney? Well, that's the speculation is that he he, uh, took time away from the game this year. He was dealing with the death of his father and some other personal issues this year. Then he suffered a couple of injuries, so we haven't seen a lot of him on the park this year. He is a very, very shy, private, quiet bloke who shuns any form of publicity. Uh, I think he likes the idea of getting out of the fishbowl that is Melbourne and going somewhere else where it's a little bit quieter. So I don't know. I mean, Richmond, their coach said a curious thing earlier this year when it was raised. He said, look, you know, Dusty's done so much for this club, we wouldn't stand in his way. So it sort of put, it sort of led everyone down the path to believe that it is possible that they do a deal somewhere else. But I don't know who can afford him, other than um, one of the Melbourne-based teams. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he'll end up. He may even retire. He's one of those guys who could just walk away from the game. Jeez, let's hope that doesn't happen. Hey, am I right to say, Tim, that uh, the winner comes from the top four? They haven't had a winner out of the bottom four in the in the AFL Grand Final. You're almost right. I think there's only two teams in 100 years that have actually been able to do that and win from the bottom half of the finals draw. So it is it is really, really difficult to do that. Although one of those teams that you could never bet against is the Western Bulldogs. Back in 2016, they won four games, including the grand final. So they went on the road. They had to go and play in Perth, which they have to do again this year against Fremantle. And then they didn't play in Melbourne again until grand final day. They've got this really imaginative, creative coach in Luke Beveridge who just seems to be able to draw the most out of the players at the most important time of the year. Hey, uh, we've got a question for you, Tim, on our, on our text machine. It says, hey, lads, can you please ask Tim if he thinks West Coast, the West Coast Eagles will get a new coach after the dismal season? No, they've backed their coach to the hilt. He's a premiership coach over there. So they've stated that they'll keep him, um, and I believe that they will. Sometimes, you know, uh, the truth uh, is the first, often the first victim of uh, team sports. We know that. But when a club comes out and says they'll back their coach, that's when you start to scramble. But I do believe that he'll stay over there. Essendon is still looking for a coach. They sacked their coach a couple of weeks ago, and his name was raised, uh, Adam Simpson. Sorry, are we? Am I recruiting? Are, are you? Are you on the recruitment path? Are you? <laughs> for a, yeah, we are. We are on the recruitment path for a coach. Anyone interested over there? Can you throw up a couple of names for us? We don't mind taking something from left field. There might be one Jordy on the Barrett. market next week. <laughs> hey, hey, Tim. Yeah, the three, you know the three. You know the three certainties in life, don't you? Let us know. Death, death, taxes, and if you coach, you'll get the sack one day. been there done that hey anyway let's let's talk about the brownlow medal favorites who you got have you got uh Lockie neil do you think he's he's gonna he's gonna win it or have you got someone else coming in over the top of him yeah no he's had a great year he has won one before and uh generally it's a midfielder one of the guys that's under the uh constant eye of the umpire so he's very much in the frame uh clayton oliver is probably my tip he's a melbourne midfielder 
and he's one of the great accumulators of possession too. But he's got uh, he's got great skill. He's had another great season. So I think it's probably one of those two guys. Took Miller is another player that Gold Coast Suns who's had a great year, but um, uh, it, it generally goes to one of those midfielders. Mm, all right, a question for you. Do the Victorians absolutely hate it when interstate teams are really good and they come in uh, in their own backyard and, and get the job done? Like Sydney Swans, a uh, genuine chance to get the job done this this week, uh, this, this competition. Do the Victorians hate it? Well, they do if it's a <laughs> WA team or a South Australian team, but because the Sydney Swans were South Melbourne, so they, they originally played yeah. here in Melbourne, and then they shifted to Sydney, so they actually have a lot of fans here in Melbourne. So they're not the they're not the best example. But if it, if it was the West Coast or Fremantle or the Adelaide Crows or Port Adelaide, yes, definitely they would hate the idea of them coming to Melbourne and winning the flag. Hey Tim, tell us about Hutchie, mate. Like when he comes into the finals, there, what's what's he what's he got on? Who's he riding home in the final series? Do you know? <laughs> Who would know? Um, he. <laughs> He, well, he's, he's pretty good punter, at it. So he came I down, think it would just be the good odds. <laughs> he came down here and he and he rode the Otago Nuggets home, mate, and got them home down here. We want to know who he's riding home down uh, over there because we all want to get on. Oh, okay. See, so we think the opposite, my mate and I, that are on air in the morning. We think he's the death wish. So um, I, I saw it. I saw it. I saw him yesterday. He just got back from New York. He, he could hardly keep his eyes open yesterday. So I'm not sure he's going to be riding anyone this weekend because I'm not sure he even knows the finals are on this weekend. Hey Tim, um, look, Izzy and Kempi here. They they won't know this, but there's like there is a clip on the internet that they reckon Hutchie's kicked the greatest goal of all time. How long ago was that, and what game was it? <laughs> Can you just fill the boys in? Because I, I bet you they won't believe it. I'll show it to them, but you paint us the picture. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a game, a charity game down here that is called the uh, the Ted Whitten game. And so there's sort of like old players play and they threw some celebrities and he was on the footy show at, the, at that time and they threw him in there. He actually played in the country. So he was, a, he was an okay footballer. He never played at the highest level, but um, he just kicked this uh, amazing goal. Uh, it's strange. That photo is up all over the place here at the studios. It's, uh, it's, yeah, you can't walk a corridor without seeing it. It's true. Oh, crap. It's true. It's framed oh, huge yep. hanging in the hallway. Is it you signed? have to show me. You have to show me. It. The big man. You won't believe getting it. Getting those legs you won't up believe it. and kicking it. You won't oh, believe it, Tim. Oh, man. I can't wait to see the photo. Quickly, before we let you go, Tim, uh, finals. Where does it go? Who's going to be there come the end of it, in your eyes? Well, I think um, Melbourne's on one side of the draw. Uh, they, they're the team that won the flag last year. Uh, Geelong are on the other side of the draw. So they both play uh, Sydney. Melbourne plays Sydney. Geelong play Collingwood. So I'd expect that both those teams win this weekend, which means they go both through to the prelim finals. And I think it'll be a Melbourne-Geelong grand final, which would be an unbelievable result if that was the case because there's not a lot between these two teams. Melbourne won the flag last year, but they won it over in Perth because of COVID, so we couldn't have the finals here last year. They're desperate to win it in front of their own fans at their home ground, which is the MCG, so it would be a fantastic spectacle. Oh, beautiful. Get up, the demons and Max Gordon. <laughs> hey, uh, quickly, before I let you go, I've actually got a signed Carlton singlet. My auntie's a, a Carlton fan over in Australia. She got me one. I think it's Judd, the big name there. He was uh, obviously a phenomenal yep. player back in the day. 
How are they going? Where's Carlton? Um, they just got tipped out of the finals in the last round. So they they were actually in the top eight for the whole year until the last minute and 10 seconds of the season. And Collingwood oh. came over the top of them and beat them. So uh, that was one of the hard luck stories of the season. But they, they, they've, oh. they've got a good coach. They've got a good team. They'll be back next year. That, that yeah, singlet, by the way, is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> well, I thought it was worth lots. I was going to try and put it on today, but it's way too small for my big puku. Anyway, Tim, we appreciate you coming on, mate, and just shedding some light on the AFL. It's a big couple of weeks for you and the team, but thanks so much for getting up early and giving us your time. Tim Watson, thank you very much, mate. Great talking to you. Have a great day. There he is. Oh, what a crack up. Very good. Good man. What about the crowds? Yeah, what mate, honestly, they they just love it, love it. Passionate supporters there, Kempi. Like eighty five thousand, and then a day later, a whole set of new fans go along ninety thousand. Yeah, <laughs> just out of nowhere, <laughs> mate. It is crazy. I've been oh. over there when there's been a few games on. I've been to a few games AFL in Melbourne, and seriously. Melbourne just changes colour overnight, you know, with all the different jerseys that are walking around and on the on the trams and the, the city goes off, mate. Because the best thing about Melbourne is that a lot of the stadiums are within walking distance. So there's yeah. crowds of people walking everywhere, you know. It's, um, yeah. it's all, phenomenal. All head down from Federal Square there over the walk down the bridge to the G and it just it pumps... Um yeah, no, look, if you haven't gone to an AFL game in Melbourne at the G, the MCG, put it on your bucket list. You've got to do it because it, it really is incredible. And I'm just about to post that goal. Hutchie kicked the greatest goal of all time on our Twitter page. <laughs> go have a look. You won't believe it. It's actually so, so good. Oh, I'm going to go have a look. I'm definitely going to go have a look. Quickly, Louis, because you've played a bit of AFL. I, I understand most of the rules, but I don't understand the contact area. Like the contact here around the ruck, like it's it's a scruffle, and I don't really understand what's going on there. Are you able to shed some light on, or just give us a little understanding of what happens around the ruck? Very, like when, are they allowed to tackle? So or? very quickly, you can't tackle. Pretty much the only place you can tackle. So it's all about the game. Of AFL is all about you mean to keep the ball moving. That's why it's such a good game. The ref, umpires don't get involved. The ball is always moving. So you can only really tackle between the shoulders and the knees. You can't tackle around the legs. Like you can't because it's all kicking base. So you can't go and take yeah. take people's legs. And anything over your shoulder is given a free kick straight away for high contact. So essentially, that's why when you see those ball ups, those well, where where the contesters they call it, the guys they go in, and the, the best players in footy are the guys that stick their head over the ball because once your head's over the ball, you're protected straight away. Because if you cop a knee, which a lot of them do, you win a free kick, but then you win your team position so you get the pill and you you get a disposal you get a clearance and then the ball's gone kick to kick but essentially it is shoulder to knee you can't tackle in the back so you can't hit someone right from behind you have to get because again you want the ball the whole idea the whole game all of the rules are games so the ball keeps moving so that means they get are you allowed to shepherd contact though aren't you so you're allowed to you don't have to use arms in the tackle so that's the the main thing you don't actually the contact can be more brutal if you've got your eyes on where the ball is you can then shepherd so you can put a check on somebody trying to get Mm. to the ball and put your arms up put a shepherd on like that so like your arms wide or put a bump on to get your player clear and once he's clear of the contest then he can hit a target and then he can hit a target, and then you can be taking a set shot at goal, and look, that's the idea of the game. Very well explained, Louis. That was awesome. One oh one.
Is he? That is not Hutchie. That is not Hutchie. What the heck? That was a banana kick through the post. No. He's faked the guy out on the mark, and then he's hit a check side banana off the outside of his right foot and bent it back in from, what, 35? That is some form. Technique, Hutchie. Take a bow. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I'm going to retweet that. <laughs> greatest, greatest goal of all time. There's been plenty to smile about for motorsports fans here in Aotearoa with our Kiwis flying the flag proudly overseas. Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin have been leading the way in IndyCar with nine podium finishes. How good between the two of them this season. All eyes will be on the penultimate race of the year in Portland. That's a great spot as seven drivers have a shot at the title, including the two Kiwis. Nick Yeoman is a, spa- a race caller on IndyCar Radio, and he's been kind enough to join us this morning. Hey, Nick, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you this morning? Oh, good morning, guys. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, we have a uh, just a fantastic IndyCar championship kind of winding down, and, and you kind of hit on it. A lot of drivers still alive with two races to go, including the two Kiwis, so... We're all pretty excited uh, to head to Portland and, and see this race. Has this been the most exciting title race in recent memory? Yeah, I think it has. I mean, IndyCar is pretty lucky in, in the way it's set up. Almost all of our championships every year come down to the wire with uh, with a couple drivers with a chance. But this one is so wide open. I mean, there are four drivers separated by just 17 points. And for those that maybe don't follow the IndyCar championship, that is just such a slim margin. Uh, but to also have a guy like Scott McLaughlin, who is alive with an outside chance, 54 points back. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been impressive. I mean, all season long, we've been waiting for one driver to step up and kind of grab hold of this championship and say, hey, it's going to be mine. You're going to have to take it from me. And we're still waiting with two races to go. And, and I'm not sure you could label a favorite. So, yeah, because of that, I think it's very easy to say that this has probably been uh, the most impressive and, and exciting championship that I've covered in, in my 12 years with IndyCar. It's been fantastic. We want to talk Scott McLaughlin and the enormity of what he's been able to do in his second season in the IndyCars. He's, uh, he's won three times this year, but he's also he's pushing for a championship, mate. Like, Can you just tell us how, how good is this from Scott McLaughlin to come from V8 Supercars into IndyCars and transition so easily? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, for, for those that know motorsports, they, they'll be able to tell you that transitioning from the supercars to Indy cars, it, it's it's apples and oranges. I mean, there is completely different skill sets. I mean, you see like a guy like like Jimmy Johnson who came over from, from the NASCAR side, and he has struggled so much. So it is not easy to jump behind the wheel of an Indy car. You know, Scott did a ton of learning in his first year. Obviously, aided, he joined the best team in the sport with Team Penske, but you know, his rookie year, there was a lot of learning to do and, and really not a whole lot to show for it in terms of results. And I think a lot of us within the IndyCar sport looked at it and said, all right, in year two, Scott's going to have to produce to, to really tell people that he deserves that Team Penske ride. And boy, he has done exactly that. I mean, just a methodical, smart race car driver. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that impresses me most about Scott McLaughlin is he always has a great attitude. I never see him get discouraged. I yeah. never see him down. <laughs> and the way that he has uh, has really taken a monster step from year one to year two uh, to, to become a guy that was maybe mid-pack last year. 
and now a race winner and a guy who is right there in the championship contention. Uh, I can't wait to see the type of jumps that he can make in year three, year four. I think it's going to be very similar to what you guys saw when he was racing the Supercar Series, which was one of the absolute best in the sport. He's a character, isn't he? He's out there getting the job done. He does a shoey. He does a shoey. Was that received really well? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For, and, and when he won his first race at the beginning of, of the season at St. Petersburg, he jumped out of his car and tried to kind of jump in the air and celebrate, but he didn't stick the landing. And he did a somersault, and I think he was embarrassed, but he's such a good sport. He played it off, and, and everybody made the, the Internet memes and had fun with it. But uh, he, he's been a great addition to the sport. I don't know if you guys have seen the videos that he's done with his teammate, American Joseph Newgarden, the Bus Bros series. Those guys show a ton of character. And, and yeah, I think everyone who loves IndyCar has, has been really excited about what Scott McLaughlin has brought to the table, both on the track and certainly the personality off of it. Well, he's another Kiwi there, Scotty Dixon. What do you think Chip Ganassi will be telling Alex Palou to help his teammate out? Do you reckon he'll be gunning for that title, letting him know that, let Scotty take it, mate? Come on. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know if you guys have followed the story with Alex Palou, but there is not a lot of uh, of love loss right now between him and his, his uh Team owner Chip Ganassi. I mean, they're suing each other, and Alex wants to leave and go race for McLaren, and, and Chip wants to keep him there. So it's kind of been a mess. But you're right. They're, you know, kind of forgotten about is one of the all-time greats, and Scott Dixon, a fellow Kiwi, who is uh, is right there in position to possibly win a seventh championship, which is just unheard of in this sport. And, and, and Dixie's a guy who you just don't want to give him life. Like – He's kind of hung around sixth or seventh in the points all season long. And then here in the last three or four races, he's gotten hot. And I think he's kind of like the boogeyman because if you're Will Power or Joseph Newgarden or Scott McLaughlin and you're trying to win this championship, the last thing you want to do is look underneath your bed and there's Scott Dixon with those eyes ready to steal the championship. <laughs> so he is right in position. I'm not sure Alex Pillow is going to help him much, but uh, Scotty Dixon's great enough that he can go win it on his own, no doubt. Well, he's been there come the finals. He knows what it takes, that expectation, that pressure. So if he's going to get the shot done, what does he need a, he need a lot of luck, eh? We want our Kiwis to be there at the end of it to win the title. So Scott McLaughlin and Scott Dixon, if they're going to get the job done, what, are the, what needs to happen come race day? Well, well, we'll start with Scott McLaughlin. I think he's probably the longer shot because he's 54 points back. And, and there's I, mm. I think really I look at the championship and I think there's four drivers, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, and Marcus Erickson, who probably have the best shot. For McLaughlin to win the championship, he probably needs all four of those guys to stumble in either the race this weekend at Portland or the finale at, uh, at Laguna Seca. I don't think all four of those guys are going to stumble. I think at least three of them are going to have two good results. So uh, it's going to be a, a long shot for Scott McLaughlin. So he probably needs to go out there and win both races to give himself a chance. For Scott Dixon, he's just 14 points back. He is absolutely in it. And uh, for this race at, at Portland, it's going to be surviving the first uh, the first lap. There is a, an extremely tight right-hand corner. It's about 180 degrees. It's completely flat. And when we release the cars down the front straightaway, it's a miracle if we can get them all through turn number one. So for Scott <laughs> Dixon, I think he needs to qualify. And, uh, and ultimately, for both of those guys, the Kiwis, you've got to make it through turn one at Portland. And that has been very difficult over the years for everybody. Well, put your money on one and two, Nick, because that's how they're going to finish the Kiwi boys. They're going to take out the I first like one. it. I like it. Chewies <laughs> all around. Hey, uh, just a quick one before we let you go, mate. I'm a mad car, I'm a mad car enthusiast. When, when you put Chevy and Honda together, it's Chevy for me all day. But who wins the manufacturer of the year? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a good championship all year long. I think Chevy's got the nod uh, really based on the fact that they've been aligned with Team Penske and, and all three of those Team Penske drivers, McLaughlin, Newgarden, and Power, have racked up a lot of race wins, a lot of top fives. So uh, I think the manufacturer title, I don't think it's been completely decided, but last I checked, I think this one's definitely going to Chevrolet. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Nick. This Nick Yeoman out of the the – the Scott Dixon and the and the McLaughlin camp. He knows they're going to win one and two this weekend. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Izzy Keeping for Breakfast here at SCNZ. Good chatting to you. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Have a great morning. Appreciate it. There we go. Thank Nick Yeoman. Pretty good. We're very, uh, it's a we're very one-eyed over here, eh? I'll tell you, <laughs> That's what we want. I'll tell you what. It's a different world, is he? It's a different world mm. those guys living in up there, driving those cars. Yeah. Imagine a McLaughlin coming out of his car and jumping into um, those those Indy cars, and he's saying, like, I mean, it's never done before. Yeah, he's a freak. Mm. He's an absolute freak. They all know he's a freak, and uh, he's one of the absolute greatest. He dominated the supercars. Now Shane Van Gisburg is dominating the supercars, but he's up there. And Scott McLaughlin, uh, Scott Dixon, don't forget about him, one of the greats of the sport. Let's talk some crickets, boys. Can't keep this man waiting. He's a busy, busy man. Metaverse Mitch. Here we go. As spring beckons, naturally, the summer of cricket is not far away in New Zealand. Yesterday, the Super Smash schedule was released. Although this summer will be a little bit different with the Black Caps not featuring here at home during December and January, the global cricketing calendar is a bit of a head-scratcher at times, and that's been accentuated at the moment with player movement and availability firming Firmly in the spotlight yesterday, Colin de Gromholm put on and put an end to the speculation about his future when he announced his retirement from international cricket. Mitchell McLennigan is a good friend of SCNZ and he's been all sorts of cricketing contracts throughout his fast bowling career. Morning, Mitch. Appreciate you coming on the show, mate. Yeah, second time lucky, eh, lad? Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right, mate. You're doing what you need to do at the gym. You've been uh, a good sort, like Louis this morning. He actually was a good sort earlier on this morning. But, mate, sad to see Colin retire. Did you expect this? Hell of a career. Um, I had an awesome career, um, the way he turned around. Mm. And ended up turning into a test cricketer, which I thought was uh, uh, not what I picked at the start uh, when I first met Colin uh, as an 18-year-old Zimbabwean with a gold um, driver's license when he came to New Zealand. Would he would he have ascended to the best test team in the world without without him? Do you think? Oh look, I don't. I think he just had that impact at the end of the um, the innings um, could just take a game away from you. And, and I think the saw um, in the conditions that we tried to play our cricket in here in New Zealand, um, him backing up at that at that slower pace to to Saudi and bowl, um, nibbling that ball around. I mean, he was. You know, he took the ball, new ball ahead of those guys sometimes because of what mm. he can do, do with the ball off the strings and swinging the ball in the air in our conditions. So, um, look, I, I don't think I think he put us in a fantastic position to win that World Test Championship. Mm. And look, I, I, I guess Colin's decision—he's um, obviously my age. He's he's towards the end of his career. Um, I, I think I think it probably would have really hurt him um, straight after the World Test Championship that he wasn't like straight on that first first Test list. Um, yeah. uh, I think, he, like you say, what he did to get us to that point um, you know, should have been rewarded in, in some sense. So I, I feel for for him and, and the year that he had to scrap back into that side. And I think he kind of just opened his eyes to what a few of few of the other older boys who kind of, well, when I say older guys, I say guys over thirty, 
um, what mm. what they've been through once you once you get over that age and and the perception that um, they're all that you you're done um, and you're always having a fight for your worth when 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 you're actually <laughs> you're probably you're under, you're understated in terms of like, they're just always looking for someone younger um, and over time he was very lucky in terms of uh, that having the longer format of the game to be able to produce uh, better results. It's a little bit easier in that format of the game to, to kind of take your opportunities to innings with the batter and the ball being an all-rounder. I just think uh, it kind of started creeping up on them that, hey, look, some, they're looking for some younger guy to put you in regardless of how well you perform. Mate, Colin's had some memorable moments over his career, and what I get a sense on is, is Colin does what what Colin wants. You know, like he's 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 a man of his word. He's pretty um pretty stubborn as they come, but he, he does what's best for Colin, and and that's my I really take my hat off to that. But for New Zealand cricket, you've had Trent Bolt. Now you've had Colin de Gronholm come out and and pretty much re- retire and go chase uh, the BBL and, and things like that. Should New Zealand cricket be worried about a? You know, like a, a many more of the, the cricketers here in New Zealand maybe doing the same and, and heading towards where the money is? Well, look, I, I think it purely just comes down to that point I've just made. I, I think once once you're mm. over a certain age, um, you're not really valued as much in New Zealand cricket. Um, and and I, I, f- I feel like there should be some reward for longevity in this game, particularly, particularly with um, the way that contracts are set up with New Zealand like with New Zealand cricketers, we're all contractors. Um, so, like, you're on a year-by-year contract, so there's, there's actually no security at all. You're not an employee like you are with, like, New Zealand rugby, where you're on a longer-term contract where you don't need to look over your shoulder and you're on good money. Um, you could lose your job tomorrow. So all your security is out the window. So I can understand why Colin uh, waited until he had a job um, to go to before um, kicking it in. I, I think in his mind he probably thought he maybe had four or five tests left um, at, at a max, and and then that would probably be taken towards the end of his career. So uh, you know that's just the nature of being a contractor, unfortunately, for New Zealand cricket, and obviously for for New Zealand cricketers as well. So the model, do you, do you feel like with what's happened now that New Zealand cricket is starting to take a look at what they're doing, and will they change the way that their contracting model will be kind of um, out, out there with these players? Do you think they're going to make a change? Uh, look, I, I don't. I don't think they will because I think it. Um, I don't. I don't think they can. I think with with the nature of it is in New Zealand cricket, we can't pay pay the guys enough. So I don't think the players association ever want to change to an employee model. But I just think just uh, I, I don't know. Look, I, I just think they've, they've decided that there's a whole bunch of guys. Oh, look, I'm really speculating that there's a whole bunch of guys who are getting towards that end of that that age, like Balti to Gronholm. Um, the likes, how they're all getting towards that age. Um, Kane's even getting up there now as well. Um, but they've just said, right, we need to knuckle down and actually just promote these young guys coming through and and just hope that they uh, that they that if we reward them early enough in their career um, by getting some starts on some tours around Europe and and looking after them uh, a little bit better, um, that they'll stay with New Zealand cricket. I guess that's the only thing they can hope for, right? 
Hey Mitch, how cooked is the like wider lens of international cricket's calendar and the governance? Because at the moment we're getting more and more pop-up leagues. Like I even read that Chris Lynn's going to play half the Big Bash, then go play half in the UAE, and that's now just accepted. But the issue is, then you have the amount of international cricket that these uh, countries play. It's okay for England and Baz and Co because they've got depth, they've got enough money to be able to pay and contract enough players to play white ball and red ball and rest and rotate. But for countries like New Zealand where we've only really got, and to be fair our depth as you would know with guys like uh, Michael Bracewell and the Sears and, and coming through the Super Smash is growing but we don't have 20, 30 test calibre players in New Zealand at the moment. So is the ICC actually the ones that need to stand up here and sort out their calendar because this is going to keep happening? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess they probably can't, can't prevent these leagues really coming up, um, because the money's coming from India, right? So, um, and, and there's good money being made in terms of, um, broadcasting deals, um, and rights. So, I, I think, I think what, what those T20 teams are doing is something I, I kind of wish, um, international cricket did a while ago. There's, you see they're starting to pop up with the same owners around the world. I think it would have been fantastic to have like an uh, international T20 league um, that just travelled around each country, had many tournaments being separate to your to your national test and one day team. I, I thought that would have kept uh, if they funded it through the ICC. I think that would have kept um, people playing for their country in the shorter format a bit longer, um, and maybe battle um, fought off uh, some of some of these leagues around the world. Um, Oh, look, I, I think it just comes down to money at the end of the day, and I can't see the ICC uh, not taking the cash. Um, and, and it's, it's as simple as that. And, um, and, and I guess, I guess from a New Zealand standpoint, I we've got to look at it, um, this is probably the summer of opportunity um, uh, for anyone in New Zealand cricket, even if it's your first year playing domestic cricket. This is your, this is your summer of opportunity to, to, to really play international cricket and. And I think we'll get a really good gauge this end of this summer and the start of our next summer here in New Zealand of where New Zealand cricket's going to be at in the next four to five years. And, uh, look, I'm really nervous. I, I don't think we have the stocks coming through um, that, that, are, that are going to give us that continue on the, the legacy that this current crop of players has, has, has started. So um, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit nervous, but I'm optimistic. I, I, I really do hope that this summer of opportunity uh, it does turn out to be a good one. Don't, Mitch, don't you get a little bit nervous when Heath Mills comes out and says that this type of stuff isn't going to be happening um, where players are looking to go overseas and, and chase the money? Because it is about money. It's not new to sport. We've got to remember that. You know, Restraint of trade, it's like anything. If you're a, if you're a, a sparky and you want to go and get more money and go and work up in the mines in Perth um, doing that, you go up there and do that, don't you? So... As the as the changing of the guard happens and players see that the opportunity to make money is elsewhere, though I guess the it's, isn't it going to be forced upon the New Zealand cricket um, to change the way that they're thinking about the, their international teams because a lot of players will head overseas. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think that's already started. I think that's probably why you're seeing Colin Colin going straight after Balti, right? Um, you know, Balti's, they're never going to not pick Balti for, for a pinnacle event. So that's a, that if, if Collins playing the best cricket he can, like throughout, you know, in any tournament around the world, then, you know, should be given the same rights as, as someone like a Trent Bolt. So 
it's kind of made it even harder for New Zealand cricket to come around and turn and, and pick Trent Bolt, in, in my opinion, if they want to try and keep those players. Oh, it's I, I actually don't know the answer, mate. I, I look, my my stance on T20 cricket, um, global T20 cricket. If your home board's got uh, looks after the players um, and communicates well, um, communication is going to be the key. But I, I actually, if you can get more players playing around the world. Um, they're going to play five, six times the amount of cricket. So say a young guy coming through, he's going to play 10 T20s here in New Zealand, max. Um, he could go and play, if he's not playing for New Zealand, he's on the fringe, he's going to play 60, 70 games around the world. So he's going to improve that much faster in different conditions with the best coaches, the best uh, players around them, which we which we don't have here in New Zealand. Like, you know, you're learning off, you can go and learn off Mahala and, and Ricky Ponting and and the likes of that around the world. So, I mean, in terms of upskilling, I think it should be a New Zealand cricket's plan to actually get guys playing a whole bunch of cricket around the world. Um, but like Afghanistan has done, um, like Pakistan do, like um, like you see what Lenny's just done here, um, guys, once you, they, we should be having deals with the leagues that they can go, they go play half a league, but then come play for New Zealand. Um, but we'll make sure that the guys are available for half the league. But if they get called international, then they have to be released, um, and that's just an easy conversation, right? It's uh, and all the and the leagues have been doing that with countries like Afghanistan for Rashid Khan and, and those guys for for some time. So it's just been a little bit more open to what's going to be best for developing our best players. Um, and it's not playing Super Smash um, ten games a year here in New Zealand. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds, Mitch. Hey, quickly before we let you go, mate, uh, T20 World Cup's coming up not too far away. Do you see enough in, in the Caribbean against the West Indies for our best 11 mm. to go over there and match it? What's your take, mate? You, we've got a good chance, eh? Oh, yeah, I think, I think we do have a good chance. Um, I, think, I think as long as we, we understand... Well, actually, I, I do like the side that we're putting out. I really do, actually. Uh, um, it excites me. Um, I really, really do hope that um, Lockie Ferguson stays fit. I think he was the making, missing cog in the wheel um, that last T20 World Cup. Um, I think if they... Uh, look, they, I, I'd be having someone like Colin Munro uh, in and around the squad. I, I'll go to half on about that, but a guy who's been dominant in the big bash for a long time knows how to score runs in those conditions, knows how to score uh, win games. Uh, I think if we look past someone like that, even just on the, on the fringes, if there's an injury, um, I know the squad's already been picked, but I, I'd be making sure someone like that there was experienced to come into a starting lineup, which we didn't have in that World Cup final last year, um, or last time. Um, and I think if they structure it properly, I think we've got a really good, really good shot. Mitch, I didn't notice Colin your name. Yeah, Munners, Munners. He's still screwing runs. I actually, Izzy, I didn't notice Mitch's name in the BBL draft. So what's going on there, mate? You yeah. actually retired. <laughs> what's that? No, it actually was. It actually was because I'm back playing, mate. I'm hopefully off to... Uh, oh, it was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just there because... Uh, no, no. I'm hoping, uh, because the way, way all these tournaments work is that... Uh, you know, a whole bunch of people get injured, a whole bunch of people pull out or go to another league. Uh, so they need replacements. And if your name's not in the draft, you're not there as a replacement option. So I'll put the boots back on, hopefully, in a couple of weeks in India. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. Wait, so you're off to India? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, well the Legends League is in uh, two, three weeks, I think. So, uh, 
you know, just waiting for the flights to come through now, doing the visa now, and and bugger off there and, and try to get the boots back on after a year and a bit off hard work. <laughs> oh, oh, the dream, <laughs> the dream's still alive, <laughs> Mitchy boy. The legends league. I've lost my numbers, so don't you worry about that. I won't be coming back to New Zealand. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, good mate. That's that's awesome. The Legends League, Sashin, Tendolka, we got uh, Mitch McLennigan, just your leader, all, all of the episodes. Uh, uh, what 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 it is 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 that they need they need a couple of guys who can actually move around the field. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'll, I'll be I'll be boundary running. I might bowl one over if someone pulls a hammy. Um, fine yeah, leg so. to fine leg, bud. <laughs> that, that'll be it, mate. Get the yards up. Um, so, Good work. And just very, very lastly, somebody sledged you. How's your NRL super coach going, Mitch? Uh, yeah, very poorly. I gave, <laughs> I gave up quite quickly. Quite quickly. Yeah, quite quickly. I'll tell you what, it, it reflected the Warriors' season. <laughs> uh, very good, mate. All right, Mitch McLean again, legend. Enjoy the Legends tour, mate. That's so good. Yeah, and uh, we'll catch up again. See you, Mitch. Perfect. Cheers, lads. Oh, funny! I was just being facetious. I didn't. I thought he was actually retired. <laughs> retired. It turns out he's still hanging on. Everyone hangs on to the very last whisker, mate. It is. Honestly, he's still going. His front toe must be that sore because he tries to steam it. <laughs> he's huge. He's massive. <laughs> <laughs> he's got an absolute oh. rig on him. He's he's a big boy. He's an angry boy. Uh, really interesting. What's going to happen with um, cricket around the world as well? Bomb Squad. 11.30am, the All Blacks will name their side to take on Argentina in what has become probably the most anticipated team naming for some time. Will the All Blacks make the hard calls and add some much-needed mongrel? Or will this team that is, trust me when I say this, showing so much loyalty to their players keep the same same? I know people are dying for change and would love to see different combination and that's fully understandable. But for me... I don't really care who wears what jersey. That's irrelevant. What I want to see is some mana, some heart, some pride restored in the jersey. Coaches provide the foundations and base for players to go out and play, but the reality is coaches aren't out there to help you. Get off the ground, make that tackle, catch the ball. That comes to how much you want it. It's time for action. It is time for that all-blackness that defines us to shine bright over Hamilton and make it a horror story for the RGs. But anyone can say what I've just said. You have the keys to drive the beast. Now get back on that bus, start the engine, and drive us back to the glory days, boys. Izzy's Bomb Squad. Oh, bang. You know, you're dead right, Is You know, at the end of the day, when you go out there, it's about effort. And I like how you said mongrel, because, man, if we don't show up with any mongrel, we know what the Argentinians are going to bring. They're going to bring plenty of that, and we need to match them. So turn that key on that bus and stay on it. Stay on yeah. it. Drive it home, Oh, mate. yeah. Drive it through those the Argentinians. The boys have have a chance. And look, I'm expecting a reaction this week. And no, this, I reckon they're going to put on a performance and go out there and do the job. But it's after that. Only great teams can back up, go back to back and put on uh, performances like they did. South Africa, back to crisis. You've got to back it up week in, week out. We can't get complacent and think it's just going to happen. So the boys have got an opportunity this weekend 
to do the job. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.